0: the cnbc app global market news in one place customizable sections and personalized alerts stocks tracking interactive charts and market insights all in your hands stay connected stay informed download the cnbc app today very good morning everybody you're watching sportbox these are your headlines this hour weakening jobs data and slowing services activity stateside putting investors on recession alerts sending the nasdaq more than one percent lower with the risk-off mood spilling over into Asia this hour. French President Emmanuel Macron working to bring China on side over Russia's invasion of Ukraine, holding talks with new Premier Li Qiang ahead of a key meeting with Chinese leader Xi
1: Jinping this morning. It's about the economy, innovation, peace and stability. The opportunity to talk about Ukraine, but also about all the major conflicts and the difficult situations around the world. The ability to share a common analysis and build a common path is essential.
2: Taipei keeps a close watch on Chinese movements in the Taiwan Strait after U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy meets with Tsai Ing-wen in California. The Taiwanese president warns Beijing is putting regional stability at risk.
3: It is no secret that today the peace that we have maintained and the democracy which have worked hard to build are facing unprecedented Challenges.
2: And the Swiss government puts the kibosh on Credit Suisse's bonus program following the bank's rescue by UBS with outstanding pay for all top executives canceled.
0: So, a very warm welcome to the programme this morning. Let's kick off on the data, all important numbers coming out overnight, and they really will get people reflecting on how far away we are from the Fed pivot. The private sector hiring across the U.S. sharply decelerated in March, raising concerns that the economy is heading towards a recession. Data from the ADP survey, this is a private survey, showed company payrolls rose by 145,000 in March, which was softer than February's gain of 261,000 and missed estimates. The ADP survey comes ahead of Friday's Anticipated uh, non farm payroll data, which shows government hiring. The US economy is expected to have added 238,000 jobs in March, according to Dow Jones estimates. The unemployment rate is seen holding up at 3.6%, while average hourly earnings are expected to rise by 0.3%. Well, services activity in the US slowed more than expected in March amid signs of weaker demand. ISM data Data showed the services PMI falling to 51.2 over the month. That was much lower than February's 55.1 reading and the new orders number in there was quite a bit weaker than market expectations, but still expansionary, Juliana.
2: Well, Jeff, clearly the data yesterday was key for investors. And what we saw was continued underperformance in the tech-heavy Nasdaq. The index dropped more than 1% yesterday. This has been a theme all week. The tech sector has been extremely strong so far this year, uh, catching some investors off guard. But now some have been beginning to take profit as we think about the potential for uh, what comes next for the Federal Reserve. Now, in terms of the S&P 500, it pulled back about a quarter while the Dow Jones actually managed to uh, gain somewhat yesterday, rallying about 0.24%. In terms of the trade over the course of the week overall, here is the picture. Uh, Week to date, the tech-heavy Nasdaq down 1.8% on pace to break a three-week win streak. And as I said, that does mark some uh, significant underperformance relative to both the Dow and the S&P 500. The Dow Jones is positive on the week so far to date. In terms of the sector performance yesterday, here's a little bit of color for you into as to what investors were doing with their money. We had, as you can see, underperformance in the infotech and uh, communication services sectors. Um, consumer discretionary pulling back about 2%. On the upside, we've got uh, energy performing pretty well yesterday. That index of stocks up about 1.4%. And the basket of healthcare stocks, one of the most defensive parts of the U.S. market also performing well, gaining about 1.7%. Staples also caught a bid yesterday. Uh, gaining about 0.5 percent. In terms of bond markets, yesterday we saw U.S. Treasury yields sink to seven-month lows on the back of that weak data that Jeff outlined. Here's where we stand coming into today's trading session. U.S. 10-year note trading at around 3.29 percent. The two-year yield stands at about 3.76 percent or so. As for Asian markets, we did get some fresh data out of China overnight. The Kaishin Services PMI, as Jeff mentioned, the services activity in March accelerated. New orders coming in pretty strongly. And here's a look for you at the reaction. Pretty muted in Shanghai. That basket of stocks is trading just slightly lower overnight. Hang Seng in Hong Kong down 0.4%. And over in Japan, the Nikkei 225 underperforming down about 1.3%. What does it mean for European trade? Well, here's the picture, fairly muted start in store. It is a holiday week, of course, a four-day weekend coming up for many in Europe. So perhaps part of the reason we've seen some fairly muted trade in Europe throughout the course of the week. In terms of FX markets, the dollar this week is the index, the U.S. dollar index is on pace for the fourth negative week in a row. The dollar index yesterday climbing about 0.3%, uh, but still down on the week when you look at the uh, whole uh, the, the whole course of the week. Sterling this morning is trading on the back foot versus the greenback, 124.43. Euro also trading a little bit weaker versus the dollar at around 108.8. Jeff.
0: Terrific. Thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, you leave us neatly with the uh, currency boards there. Let's bring in Valentin Maranoff, Global Head of G10FX and UK research at Credit to Agriculture Corporate and Investment Bank. Valentin, nice to see you. Let, let let's just kick off on the data. What what difference does it make to the current trend? for the dollar because I mean it has to be pointed out in recent sessions we've actually seen the dollar on this weakening trend. The basket also indicating uh, generalized weakness of the dollar against all other currencies. How
4: does this data overnight change that story if at all? Well, it certainly confirms uh, what would be our expectation that the U.S. is heading uh, into a recession. Uh, But uh, contrary to what the market has been doing so far, we think that uh, further deterioration in the data could be actually supportive for the currency, if only because it's going to continue to feel market uncertainty, could feel risk aversion. And this is where the dollar's role as a safe haven could shine through again. What's also quite important, I think, is the fact that uh, not all negatives are in the price in the sense that the markets are already expecting the Fed to ease quite aggressively in the second half of the year in response to that data deterioration. Our view is that because of the sticky U.S. inflation, the Fed will pause potentially after May, but then keep rates at very high levels for the remainder of the year, meaning that... uh, If that then forces the markets to readjust those expectations, the safe haven dollar will be also the high yielding safe haven dollar uh, again. And essentially both components of the dollar smile, if you wish, could allow the dollar to regain some ground, especially against risk correlated, potentially even the commodity currencies out there. What about against the euro? Because
0: I think the markets had this view that the uh, ECB was later in than the Fed and will be later out than the Fed. So that argued for owning euro against dollar.
4: Yeah, I think there is certain divergence that's being priced in at the moment in the markets, uh, as in the dollar, uh, as in the Fed is expected to cut rates, where the ECB expected to continue with the hikes. As a matter of fact, there was only one occasion in the last uh, really more than 20 years, really since 2000, where the ECB hiked rates while the Fed was actually cutting rates. That was the infamous July 2008 hike, two months before the Lehman disaster. The point being that our view is that Yes, the ECB could continue hiking rates, potentially pushing them to as high as 375. But at the same time, we strongly doubt that the Fed will be cutting rates. So, as a result, I think that from a rate differential point of view, from a central bank relative policy outlook, I think that there are certain downside risk for euro dollar from here. Our target is 107 uh, for the quarter end. But it is also the case that if risk aversion were to its rear its ugly head at some point, maybe sell in there and go away, euro could be lower still. Mm. Yeah.
2: What about sterling? It's risen to its highest level in I think about 10 months versus the U.S. dollar. To what extent is that trade driven by resilience or increased optimism about the resilience of the U.K. economy versus weakness in the U.S. dollar side of that trade? Well, it's a
4: little bit of both, uh, as in on the domestic side, certainly the data hasn't been as bad as expected. Uh, I mean, as you probably remember, back in November, the BOE shocked most uh, people by essentially declaring there'll be 18 months' worth of recession ahead. None of that uh, has been confirmed. Uh, Thankfully, uh, the cost of living crisis is proving to be less negative uh, than feared. Clearly, there is some improvement in terms of uh, terms of trade uh, for the UK because of the uh, lower gas prices, energy prices and so on. The thing is, uh, however, that the outlook uh, is still not that great, even in relative terms. It certainly helps the fact that in comparison, other economies like the US have seen their outlook deteriorating quite rapidly. So that is helping the pound. But I wouldn't think that the pound is a strong conviction buy purely on the basis of domestic fundamentals. I should also mention that if you look at the last six US recessions going back to 1980, actually with a remarkable consistency, the pound was among the worst performing currencies in the initial stages of those recessions so i think at current levels certainly remarkable performance certainly going a bit against our own forecast but i wouldn't uh, think that it will extend in a sustainable uptrend from here i would rather sell cable here euro sterling seems a bit more fairly priced but uh, again here it's really about to what extent the european outlook continental europe could deteriorate to sort of Reconverge back to the low benchmark that the UK case mm. still is. Yeah. Really
2: interesting to hear about the historical performance yeah. of, of the pound. If we do see the U.S. enter a recession yeah. at some point later this year or next, um, you talk about the U.S. dollar as a safe haven and it retaining its position as yeah. one moving forward. What about the Swiss franc? Mm. Um, given all the turmoil in the Swiss banking sector, is that considered a safe haven mm. still? Uh, still, a, a
4: pretty I think very much so, in a way, in a sense that uh, there was that period right after, uh, well, I mean, it was the ongoing uh, banking sector turmoil, we were just before the S&B meeting. And I had a few calls where people were saying, I mean, they cannot possibly hike after what's been happening, obviously in the US, but especially in the case of uh, Credit Suisse. And then the S&B just the, exactly that. And I guess that certainly burnish its safe haven credentials in a way. I'm not saying that the Swiss franc or I guess the sw- uh, Swiss economy are immune to the uh, banking sector troubles, but it does feel that it certainly commands a lot of, uh, if you wish, uh, a, a, I mean it has a huge appeal for a lot of clients. And uh, just talking to clients, uh, it is the traditional uh, really safe haven when it comes to potential peripheral risks uh, down the road. Very yeah.
0: interesting. All the way through this conversation, what I've noticed is that you've given less emphasis to interest rate differentials than you've given to potential market-related shocks, whether that's growth Mm -hmm. or whether that's geopolitics. What are you looking at specifically that you are concerned about? Further banking crises? Mm -hmm. uh, The Russia-Ukraine war? I mean, what else is in the mix that... Uh Makes you so concerned that we're going to get this this volatility that'll push people to the dollar, or this fear that'll push people to the dollar.
4: Well, certainly, risk aversion is going to play a huge role uh, in that, and the appeal of uh, the dollar as a safe haven is uh, indeed something there. But on the rate differentials, I think the fact that the Fed is not going to cut as aggressively as expected by the market should, in itself, boost the rate appeal of the dollar itself. And I guess on the uh, really uh, additional drivers, there clearly the geopolitical political tensions they have taken uh, the backseat there uh, but I think they could resurface uh, once again and there is an interesting uh, point to be made about the point in time we are at the moment especially if you look at where say Europe is in terms of energy demand if you uh, look more closely for example in terms of gas storage data in Europe we are close to reaching the lowest point there and from April May onwards actually the Europeans will be back on the markets really supply, uh, actually buying gas, trying to replenish that gas storage at a time where China is already there, at a time where OPEC uh, on Sunday decided to cut production. My point is that we may have also seen the lows for uh, gas mm-hmm. prices. We may have seen the lows for oil prices for this year. So, in the next couple of months, you could have a combination of weakening US, potentially global data. You could have persistent geopolitical tensions, but you could also have cost push inflation actually rearing its ugly head uh, mm-hmm. once again. So, that's a mix whereby essentially inf- uh, investors are already worrying about recession, but they may once again start worrying about stagflation, if you wish, right? Because growth is weakening, but inflation. Proves to be stickier, more difficult to control, hence the central banks will have to stay hawkish, right? And this is, I think, the biggest risk to me, that that combination of hawkish central banks, weak data, and potentially returning cost-push inflation. And that is a mix where I don't want to be short dollar. I mean, with uh, uh, that in mind, I don't want to be short dollar, right? So.
2: Super clear. Um, Thank you, Valentin, for your comments. You're going to stick around, so we'll get to um, pick your brain a little bit more after this break. That is Valentin Marinoff, who's with us, uh, Global Head of G10FX and UK Research, Credit Agricole, Corporate and Investment Bank. Now, speaking of, of banking, India's central bank has held rates in a surprise move as turmoil in financial markets put pressure on its growth trajectory. But the Reserve Bank of India insists the pause was, quote, For this meeting only, the central bank had raised rates at its previous six meetings and insists it will continue its fight against inflation.
0: So, we've got a number of meetings to focus on uh, in the next block of the program here. We know that the French president and Ursula von der Leyen are in China. We will tell you a little bit more about that. But we also have the Taiwanese president in the United States. We'll give you some more information about that. Stay with us as we check in on some of these high profile meetings. French President Emmanuel Macron met with Chinese Premier Li Qiang this morning in Beijing ahead of his meeting with President Xi Jinping later today. Macron and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen will hold separate talks with the Chinese leader before a trilateral meeting this evening. The group is expected to discuss trade relations as well as the war in Ukraine. I've heard this described, Charlotte, and welcome, good morning. Um, I've heard this described as good cop, bad cop from Europe, but I, I haven't worked out which one is the good cop and which one is the bad cop, <laughs> because it seems to me Macron never plays bad cop. So, does that mean? VDL is the the, uh, so that is the,
3: made the Well, that would cop? correspond to what she said. No, she made a speech on Monday being quite tough on China, saying they want to reorganise the geopolitics of the world with China at the centre. So that would go with that. But look, this is the first trip of Macron to China since 2019. Last time they met with Xi Jinping was on the sidelines that of the a, G20. That
0: photograph, it was a very strange photograph of them shaking hands. In where Bali. Where Macron is kind of, you know, looking and then Xi is, just looks really bored and is staring out. <laughs> with his hand out like this and it,
3: yeah. I
0: mean apparently it was celebrated as a good meeting
3: well, there you go. Look, in 2019 went very well. Uh, Macron gave a horse to Xi Jinping as a mm-hmm. present. So, you know, they want to try to reproduce that. But okay, the jury is out on whether it will be as warm of a meeting, given the last meeting they had uh, on the sidelines of the G20 in Bali uh, in November. And Macron had made an objective since he was elected in 2017 that he would go to China once a year, of course, since then the pandemic happened. And of course, the war in Ukraine. So, a very different world now when returning to China. And that was, of course, one of the key issues, one Ukraine because this video comes just a couple of weeks after Xi Jinping himself was in Moscow meeting Putin. And according to some French officials, President Macron was to tell Xi Jinping that providing support to Russia and providing arms potentially is very much a red line for Europe. But that's in a sense what the president said yesterday in a speech. Take a listen. Talking
1: directly to China about this conflict, about Russian aggression, what's at stake, The consequences for Europe, the consequences for the Near East and Middle East, as well as for the African continent and so many others, means trying to engage them in a strategic relationship that may be more complex than we would like. This is what I'll be discussing, as you already understand, tomorrow and the day after with the President. We'll try to build, in a way, engage China towards a shared responsibility for peace and stability.
3: So, again, it's going to be a tough balancing act, you say, maybe with a good backup a kind of uh, act in Beijing. So, this morning, the, President Macron met with the, the Premier uh, this morning and will meet Xi Jinping this afternoon. So, again, Ukraine being a hot topic on the table, of course. Also, the decoupling and how they um, you hear from Europe, the certain decoupling, uh, the end of a naivety towards China. But at the same time, they want to benefit from the reopening of the Chinese economy. And we see that about half of the cacarons actually traveling with President Macron there uh, to Beijing so interesting how you know they talk about the strategic autonomy from Europe so very interesting how they very difficult balancing act there there will be in this meeting again uh, VDL uh, being there and they're visiting Guangzhou tomorrow uh, where President Macron will meet with uh, Chinese uh, students and investors and all this is happening of course well in the background in France you have the 11th day of nationwide protests and strikes against the pension reform yesterday the Prime Minister met with unions the first time since January and the Introduction of this pension reform. It lasted only 55 minutes. It didn't go well. So things are not getting any better. There's no tensions in the street like we saw before. It's a bit of a lull at the moment until the constitution the constitutional court gave their give their view on it next week. So in the meantime, it's a bit calmer, but certainly the issue is not going away just yet.
2: In terms of what's motivating VDL versus Macron, clearly VDL is dealing with a range of different views within the block She's dealing with pressure from the United States. From Macron's point of view, you talked about the protests we've been watching and observing from from afar with regards to the pension reform. What is motivating Macron here, and what, what do you think he is specifically trying to get out of this visit? Well, once again, when things are tough from a domestic point of view, then
3: using the international scene can be helpful. Um, he also puts himself as a leader of Europe. So, again, from a domestic point of view, that can help. He's traveling there to, he's representing French interests, of course, and traveling again with all these French CEOs with him. But he's also representing Europe. And that gives him a bit more weight as well towards uh, the Chinese authorities that, of course, I'm representing uh, France, but it's the whole of Europe here, it's the whole bloc that is coming to discuss with you. All this within the background, of course, as you said, the cooling with, uh, with the U.S., between China and the U.S., so maybe Europe wants to have a bit of leverage here, potentially. So it's all the discussions, and all this kind of repositioning
2: that is happening, and President Macron, as usual, placing himself at the center of the discussions. Mm. Charlotte, thank you so much for the color, and uh, we'll keep the conversation going throughout the program. Uh, Well, sticking with China, we're uh, not only keeping an eye on Beijing, but we're keeping an eye on the region, Taiwan specifically. Taiwanese President uh, Tsai Ing-wen met with U.S. House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy in in California on Wednesday. That was the first time in decades a high-ranking American official met with a Taiwanese leader on U.S. soil. The two discussed accelerating weapons deliveries and strengthening economic ties amid increased threats from China. Beijing condemned the meeting, calling it an act of collusion, and has threatened to retaliate. McCarthy and Tsai presented a united front at a joint press conference after their meeting.
0: The friendship between the people of Taiwan and America is a matter of profound importance to the free world, and it is critical to maintain economic freedom, peace, and regional stability.
3: It is no secret that today the peace that we have maintained and the democracy which have worked hard to build, are facing unprecedented challenges. We once again find ourselves in a world where democracy is under threat, and the urgency of keeping the beacon of freedom shining cannot be understated.
0: The uh, Taiwanese president there. Uh, Valentin Marinoff is still with us, Global Head of G-10 FX and UK Research at uh, Credit Agricole, Corporate and Investment Bank. Valentin, we had some um, China services activity okay. data in this morning. Uh, the numbers actually weren't bad. So China services activity on the Chaixin survey showing um, acceleration at the quickest pace in two and a half years on robust new orders and job creation. So why are
4: people a bit about the China reopening growth at the moment? The way China helps uh, the rest of the world is through manufacturing uh, imports. They're part of all these vast uh, supply uh, supply chains, uh, value chains, and uh, this is how usually a growth impulse out of China really propagates and helps economies around the world. And because the reopening of the Chinese economy is going to help the domestic economy, the services sector, which is uh, really, uh, what we are seeing from the PMIs, chances are that the uh, propagation, really that uh, exporting of that growth, positive growth impulse, is going to be much uh, less uh, potent. And so, from that point of view, what investors who started the year very hopeful that that reopening of the Chinese economy could play a significant positive uh, growth uh, role, really, so for especially for the region, the, the economies of Australia, Japan, uh, South Korea, now are starting to realize that. Uh, a lot of that uh, really development is going to remain contained inside the borders of China and uh, I guess and I should mention that because uh, we mentioned the euro the European currencies what's quite interesting in that is that there's certainly some euro bear, uh, bulls out there who are certainly hoping that the China reopening could help uh, uh, really complement the growth impulse uh, in the eurozone is going to help us uh, recover uh, down the road but I think some cautiousness definitely warranted mm-hmm. the Chinese growth uh, impulse is going to remain contained uh, inside their own borders, unfortunately. And yeah, that's something that the markets are still mm. to price in.
2: I, I saw a headline a couple of days ago that grabbed my attention that China's yuan has replaced the dollar as the most traded currency yeah. in Russia. I suppose no surprise there, given the sanctions yeah, yeah. and given the environment. But is that a trend that you see continuing elsewhere outside of Russia?
4: Well, uh, what I've uh, seen uh, is certainly there have been some headlines, right? The Chinese are paying in UN for their gas. They paid the uh, UAE uh, for that. We had the Indians actually paying in rupee for their oil uh, both from uh, mm-hmm. Saudi. So, I mean, people do like to uh, detect trends, extrapolate. And uh, I guess uh, the, the, the tagline is de-dollarization. I think we're in the very early stages of that i remember discussing the multi-polar world and and so on uh right after the war in ukraine has started since then has abated was replaced by actually dollar buying uh, because of the commodity terms of trade shock and so on and i think that that will uh, uh have a similar fate in the sense that I think the next big theme in the FX market will be risk of on the back of uh, uh, I guess US recession the Fed peak and potentially even debt ceiling over the summer which are all actually dollar positive right Mm -hmm. further out uh, in the coming years you'd think that there could be a concerted move away from the dollar but for this to happen we really need to have the global uh, financial system split into like different uh, uh, if you wish warring uh, uh, no pun intended uh, trade blocks that are using their own currency uh, really, to trade, and this is what could happen. Uh, the last, uh, the latest coffer data by the IMF on central bank reserves, suggesting that the dollar share dropped to 58%, which is the lowest since '95. Right? The thing is, right? at uh, the low of its lowest, at 45%, right? So, so the dollar is not uh, there yet. And the dollar hit its low, I think, back in 1989, which is just when the Soviet bloc was breaking up. And that ushered in a period of dollar dominance. So. I mean, given that the central bank reserves are about $10 trillion and you have another maybe 10% to go low in the dollar, I mean, you can imagine that how that's going to impact the currency. But clearly, these are the very early stages of that. We're talking about very long, multi-year trends. Uh, I,
0: I, I'm happy to take the bet. I, th- I think it'll be the reserve currency uh, as long as my career lasts and probably <laughs> as long as yours, which which could be very short, quite <laughs> frankly. But but you know what I mean? I, I don't see any n- any real... I mean, there's a lot of talk, no, 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 but mean, there's no, really no. nothing in the data no, no, the that moment, suggests no, that we're sure, going yeah. anywhere near that. Okay. Valentin, let me ask you a very specific question about the yen. Yes. Because we, we, this is the month when Kuroda goes. Yes. Everybody's tried to circle the wagons mm-hmm. in Japan and say, "No, no, 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 no change here. The yield curve control thing, that was just a slip of the tongue. But the market believes that that break is coming at some stage here. How do you trade the yen from here?
4: Uh, Well, I'm also a believer. I think that uh, either in April or July, we could have uh, some moves uh, uh, towards uh, really not the removal, but certainly further adjustment of the uh, YCC. And that should prove to be a yen positive. We have $120 yen here. And uh, it is also worth highlighting that... uh, for the BOJ there is a window of opportunity to act right because all of the reasons to uh buy the dollar I was just highlighting US recession risk aversion are uh, uh, really are also reasons to buy the Japanese yen and uh, where uh, really uh, the yen could have uh, really the advantage is the fact that uh, The BOJ may be at the beginning of a big convergence process vis-à-vis the Fed from here, which is going to boost its own rate advantage and so on. Again, it's a longer term process, but uh, you could have a fairly strong, fairly powerful initial uh, move in favor of the Japanese yen so that if the BOJ does want to change that, really, without triggering a significant yen rally, they have to act fast ahead of U.S. recession, ahead of a potential Fed rate cut down the road, ahead of a debt ceiling over the summer. So that's why I think April or July uh, could be the options they have left, which also makes me bullish the yen ahead of all that. Mm.
2: All right, Valentin, we'll leave it there. Thanks for the ideas and, and the conversation. Valentin Marinov, Global Head of GCNFX and UK Research, Credit Agricole, Corporate and Investment Bank.